Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I am your host Jared Weich. Alongside me as always is my co-host Dominic Orlando. Let's praise the sun. Episode 203. Haven't had you the last couple of weeks Dom. It's been a solo adventure. Glad to have you back. It's about time we get back to some jolly cooperation. It, you know, it's funny, we, so, a little peek behind the scenes, we postponed the recording of last week's show because there was rumblings that the new Call of Duty was going to be revealed last Friday. Didn't happen. We have the news about when the official reveal is going to happen now announced this week, so, it happens. It happens. Anyway, so we have quite a bit to go on, go through in the rundown. I don't necessarily have a topic this week, but I did want to go through some DC fandom predictions with Dom. Uh, this is, we're recording on the 20th, it's happening on the 22nd, hopefully I can get this podcast up before the panels start, but we're going to be seeing, obviously, Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League from Rocksteady, and the Batman game from WB Montreal that's been teased for over two years now. Uh, very odd case there. It's so funny still that we talked about this in our own chat, Dom. We know the name of Rocksteady's game before we know WB Montreal's title, and yet we've known about that game for two years. They're just they're just weird. The all the Batman, the Warner Brothers, all their stuff is I don't know. It's just weird. It's uncomfortable. I don't like the way it's all being presented. I'm, I'm not into it. Yeah, and I'm even more so now hoping that someone else picks up the games division of Warner Brothers because we had this. I don't know. Obviously, you don't pay attention to comics as much as I do, or, or you know, previous host of the show, Jordan did. But they had massive layoffs at the DC Comics division, Dom. Um, publisher, uh, the publisher fired a bunch of editors and you know a lot of people on staff, which is unfortunate. They fired most of the people for the DC streaming app, um, which that was a flash in the pan. And it just seems like uh, the people at the top, Warner Media, um, they don't want any of this stuff really anymore. And I'm worried that if they don't end up selling the games division, if they just shut it all down, you know what I mean? That's what I'm worried about. So hopefully that doesn't mm-hmm. happen um, because it just seems like they just don't care about that part of DC. Like they love the IP to sell it off, obviously, but they're not interested in the manufacturing of their own DC stuff. Obviously DC comics still going, but how much longer is it for the world? It's worrisome. So who knows? Uh, let's go through the rundown though. So first up, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we postponed last week's recording because of Call of Duty. Now they unveiled the official title, which was rumored for a long time, but now it's officially confirmed. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. We've known for a while that this game was going to take place in the Cold War. We know that this is a kind of a rejiggered, uh, game that was initially not going to be anything to do with Treyarch, but then there was some problems between Raven and Sledgehammer. And Activision was like, you know what, Treyarch, just make another Black Ops game, throw the title in there so it sells. And this is what we're getting. Uh, it's going to be officially revealed, The tw- you know, it's a 2020 Call of Duty. It's going to be officially revealed on August 26th, which if it releases when Call of Duty normally does, it's going to give it about a two, two to three month window before it releases. We are all assuming that Warzone is going to be implemented into this as well. Um... You remember, Dom, when I was talking about Warzone, how they had the Easter eggs teasing something to do with the Cold War, right? The bunkers. You remember when I was talking mm-hmm. about that? Recently, people found that they, in, a, in a, the Season 5 update, they went ahead and changed those Easter eggs even more. And in one of the bunkers, there's a nuclear bomb in it. 
Like, it's an added room to the back of it where you can go into and see a nuclear bomb that's set to get launched. So people are assuming that maybe on August 26th, it'll ha have an in-game event kind of like Fortnite does, right? Where the bomb is launched and then we all assume that the map is going to change to fit the Cold War because it's obviously modern warfare now, modern guns, modern killstreaks, and it's going to kind of revert to a retro style of gameplay. I guess, Dom, I know you're not huge into Warzone, but I you hear me talk about it often. Do you think that'll play with people of going from these modern guns and mechanics to something a little bit slower in the Cold War era? Or do you think they meet somewhere in the middle and don't be that drastic with their separate free-to-play game mode? I mean... I would think if they're going to do that, it has to be its own mode. I don't know how these things work, but it has like to be its, its own mode within Warzone, right? Where you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it might be like thrust upon everybody, like introduced, like you to mandatorily, you know, join one round or something in the new level, however it works. But then after that, like, yeah, a lot of people are probably going to want to go back to the, you know, the regular one with the modern stuff. Because um, you can't just switch to Cold War, like, for, like, force that upon people, like, I know they've talked about um, how Warzone is allowing them to, you know, reach audiences in different ways. And obviously in this case, they can market their other stuff within their existing game. Um, but I think that would be too much. I know Fortnite had done some weird stuff where they, like, changed everything for everyone. Um, I, don't, I don't totally understand it. But, yeah, I wouldn't think that they would just flip a switch and then all of a sudden Warzone is actually Cold Warzone. Oh, my God, I just said that out loud and it sounds <laughs> awful. But, yeah, that'd be a little too much, I think. Because what people think is going to happen is the nuclear bomb is going to go off. It's going to destroy a bunch of stuff. And then slowly parts of the map will be updated to fit more of the maps associated with Black Ops. So maybe not necessarily going full retro. but Because you're obviously not familiar with Warzone. But sections of the map were actual maps from the multiplayer section. Just put mm -hmm. into the big map overall. So people think they're going to cut out sections and put like Nuketown in there. Which is a famous Call of Duty map obviously. Um, and do it that, that would make way. Sense. Yeah. yeah, so it slowly over time turns into something new, but it isn't a drastic one-day change. But I do agree with you that there might come a point where people are like, because the map's called Verdansk, I want to play Modern Warfare Verdansk, I don't want to play Cold War Verdansk, right? Because even the guns yeah. are going to play differently, and that's a huge thing in Call of Duty. So we'll see what happens. Um, next up, Deathloop, which was set to be a PS5 launch window exclusive. We never got a sole date on that. It was just holiday 2020, but we knew it was going to launch exclusively for ps5 we just didn't know when it's been delayed now officially to 2021 this is bethesda's co-op kind of action game obviously it's from the developers of dishonored i wasn't super sold on this because they didn't do a good job of explaining how the co-op works but i am excited for a new ip dom was this a game you were looking forward to during the launch or is, are you happy that this is getting delayed to 2021 because it might give you an opportunity to check it out uh, at the beginning of next year maybe I'm with you. I was a little hesitant on it. Like it's, yeah, it's cool to see something new and I like arcane. I love the Dishonored games. Um, so like that's encouraging, but like I, the one trailer that they gave for this was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. That looks really cool, but I don't know if I want it. Like, I don't really understand how to, how it works. I don't know. It was just a bit confusing. So I wanted to see more. So it's still a little bit on like the we'll see. So I, I don't, you know, I'm not like end of the world bummed out that this is delayed. So do what, do what you got to do. Definitely not to the same level of Halo Infinite for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but still a bummer nonetheless because even with Deathloop and Halo Infinite, say they were launching for launch, uh, for the launch of the consoles, it is still going to be a weak set of games just because that's how console launches are in general. So without them now, it's a bummer because 
right now we're just looking at spider-man really as a like a, a stellar launch game and then we have smaller titles like bug snacks bug snacks or the medium right on xbox and who knows maybe the medium kills maybe bug snacks kills but it is a bummer to see another launch window game move out of the way but that's that's covid man it's 2020 it's interesting too to think about um how that exclusivity contract must have you know been worded or not worded yeah you know because if you're sony you wanted this game you know you paid to have it exclusive on for a time on your console right which would have paid more in the long run if it was came out during launch right um it's still going to be still going to help sony to have some exclusivity but being it in 2021 it's not quite as valuable as if it came out during launch so you, you wonder if like there's a stipulation for that and how that deal worked out or something. But well, and I doubt the contract, I doubt the contract is like date specific. My mm-hmm. assumption would be it's worded to some extent of like, we uh, exclusively launching on PS five up to six months after the game releases fully on retail or, you know, something like that where it's like, it's worded Probably. six months after the point in which it releases, you know what I mean? Whenever that mm-hmm. is, um, or there could be, there could have been a specific date to date, but then there's a, a clause in it, right? Of like, if the game gets delayed, then it's six months from whenever the game gets released, right? Something like Cause that. Because then, the flip side too is if you're Bethesda, you're sacrificing a lot of sales, um, you know, from Xbox Series X consoles, right? Because yep. <laughs> especially launch consoles where the attach rate is always really high, and we look at we're looking at a potentially sparse launch lineup this fall, so like. A lot of people would have bought Deathloop probably that might not buy it next year because, you know, if they had a new console and they wanted new console games on it. And we also don't know what big first-party AAA games are coming out for PlayStation and Xbox next spring, right? And then Deathloop's mm-hmm. caught in the pickle of not selling like Dishonored did. Uh, so who knows what happens there. It It is interesting because, to your point, I, we're both in the assumption that both of these consoles are likely going to sell out this fall, right? They're just going to fly off the store shelves. And with this current gen, I think a third-party developer can make a case that releasing your game on Xbox One in 2018 isn't as valuable as releasing on PS4, obviously, because of the number of unit sales, right? But to your point, at a console's launch, the attach rate's going to be crazy high because people just want games to play, and both of the consoles are going to sell out. You know what I mean? So it's like, put it everywhere at that point. Um, Yeah. We'll see what happens with Deathloop, though. Ghost... Wire Tokyo didn't have an, like a specific date either, so I wonder how Deathloop's delay affects that from publishing on Bethesda's end, right? Because then they don't want those games to launch on top of one another, um, so that might move that too. Maybe that was set for spring 2021. Who knows? Next up, let's talk about publishing issues. So Control had this next-gen upgrade problem. It's pretty funny. So 505 Games, who's the publisher of, of Control, a remedy being the developer. They announced that there will be no free next-gen upgrade unless you buy the ultimate edition of the game, which is essentially the base game and all of the DLC included in it. But you will get free backwards compatibility if you already own the game for next-gen. So people were wondering, well, how come I can't get the next-gen version of the game if I own Control and all of its DLC already? Isn't that the same as the ultimate edition, which it technically is, but the ultimate edition is a separate $40 purchase. Obviously, it's very divisive. You people fall on either side of the thing a lot of people are mad that it's hurting at the end of the day their most loyal fans right the people who went and bought the game and bought the season pass already and there's an argument to be had of well them trying to get an extra 40 dollars from people is that worth the bad will from the people who've already given them so much money because you figure the people who haven't jumped in yet are just going to buy the 40 dollar one they're not going to go and buy 
the last gen one, you know. So it's a big old kerfuffle, and people are wondering how are they going to respond? What are they possibly going to do? And they kind of doubled down and said nothing. Uh, they released a statement with the FAQ, and one of the questions was, "Well, I already own Control and all of the DLC. How is, is that's not any different than the Ultimate Edition, right?" And they're basically with a bunch of corporate PR word salad of like, uh, "Well, you know, you you got to just buy the Ultimate Edition." Um, and they. They just kind of stuck their heels in deeper to the situation when in reality, I think if they would have not responded at all and left it as is, people would have stopped talking about it for the most part. And then it would have flared up, obviously, when the game, the Ultimate Edition released for a bit, but that was it. And now them doubling down just seems like, why? What was? What did you think you were going to win from this scenario? What do you think, Dom, about them kind of just doubling <clears throat> down instead of either staying quiet or making a change for the better? Because their blog post was titled, like, An Explanation for this right yeah but they didn't actually explain the reasoning they blocked I mean, without saying it they just said yeah we want you to buy it again you know what i mean which i most like you said it's like 50 i think like the major, vast majority of people are really pissed off at them especially the ones who had already bought the game and the dlc right and we talked about it and i just i didn't seem it like it was that big a deal but it definitely in the age of where we're starting to see so many other studios give away next-gen upgrades for free if you already own the game you know that's starting to become an expectation so uh yeah they didn't probably not a great call of a policy in the first place based on the feedback and then uh, to give an explanation that doesn't actually explain it just kind of just kind of looked stupider when you could have just like put out your your bad deal and then faded away and people would forget about it (laughs) they kind of made it another headline another week (laughs) and their big their big reasoning they said that there was a blocker in place uh, and we don't know what exactly that is. The assumption is it's possibly Sony's platform because we know how open Xbox has been with smart delivery. Obviously, it's entirely an assumption. We have no idea what this blocker is. They could just be making that up to seem like there is a reason they're not doing it. For me, Dom, and I want to hear if you feel any any different, the way I would have played it, because if you still want people to buy that $40 edition, I get it. You're a business. You want to make money. And Control initially didn't probably sell very well from what we heard. I would have been like, Hey, let's just, I'm going to throw out a date. If you own control and all of its DLC by August 25th, you'll get the upgrade to the ultimate edition on next gen after that date. I'm sorry, because you win in two scenarios. One, you're offering people a path, right? If they already own all the stuff, they're getting the free upgrade Two, you're kind of forcing the hand for people to buy the DLC already. The season pass, if they don't have it, right? So you're forcing sales there. And then if people are like, and I'm not going to be able to get to the DLC anyways, I'll just wait. Then you could possibly get those $40 sales in the other end too. It's like a win, win, win to me because you're forcing the hand of people who are on the fence of buying the DLC of like, why not? I just spend the 25 to 30 bucks to get the season pass. So that way I have that when I want to get to it. Right. As opposed to now doing this messaging and I've seen plenty of people were like i was excited for alan wake expansion but now i'm not going to pay for the dlc because i don't want to support this kind of stuff and some of them are like okay i'll wait for a sale on the ultimate edition on next gen you know what i mean i don't know it just seems like a whole mismanaging and to the point i made earlier don't you think if they did want to stay this way and you know make it for people to have to pay they should have just stayed quiet right yeah because the thing is with all this is like Like right now, you know, this summer, it's been like, like a lot of people are talking about like uh, smart delivery and, and the, you know, the good end of it. Like that's been a hot topic. Right. But then also now we had like uh, the example with Madden, 
was like shady the way EA explained it. And now this is like, well, you know, EA more... fixed it, remember? Because they had the specific cutoff dates, and they're like, oh no, never mind. As long as you buy Madden before January, you'll get the upgrade before the new Madden comes out, right? The bad one yeah. was NBA 2K, where it's okay. like, no, unless you buy the Kobe Bryant version, right? Right. Okay, that's what yeah. it was. That <laughs> yeah. was the worst one. Um, and now Control is doing it their own way, right? Um, but like this stuff, I mean, I mean, it matters for Control and like how many extra copies they do or don't sell versus if they would have just included this with the season pass, like you're saying, and they could have sold more season passes, you know, this month than otherwise or whatever. It, but it doesn't like. I don't think this any of this stuff matters much as you get into next year. Yeah. Um, especially later on. Like I know like it's all a lot all a lot of people are talking about, but it's kind of like it's temporary. This is like just during this weird transitionary year when we're moving consoles. Um but it's it's what it is and that's what people are talking about and I think think this is a bit of a bad look. I mean <laughs> everyone yeah. else seems to think so, so. To me, too, this to me it reads as if maybe 505 Games didn't get the return on investment they thought they would from publishing a Remedy game. Because fortunately, they had it making people purchase it again. It's like, if that game had sold well enough for them to be cool and turn a profit, I think Remedy would have had a stronger case in... That guarantee, we've heard from Remedy, they don't seem like bad people, right? They seem like consumer-friendly people, but they're locked into a publisher that gets to make the ultimate decision. And I wonder if it just came down to, hey, Control didn't sell as well, we need to try to recuperate more money from this and that's why they had to make the line in the sand you know because i cannot imagine it being from a technical level i just i don't buy that excuse i think it's either from a platform holder level or from the publisher being like we just we just need to make more money you know as i was reading through it and you mentioned yeah they they referenced there were several blockers that kept coming up and at first i at first glance i'm like oh it's some technical thing that you know made it really difficult for them but then when you like relook at look at the wording, I don't know it off the top of my head anymore, but like it doesn't actually specify anything more than just blockers. So the blocker literally could have been uh it's not gonna make as much money as if we do it and if we do it this way. <laughs> yeah. That's a exactly. blocker, right? Exactly. So they don't actually explain what they mean. It's just kind of implied, like, yeah, we just want you to buy it again, which like I said, I, I'm kind of, I always, I felt like we're used to this kind of thing where like, if you, the ultimate edition is always the better deal than if you bought everything up front. But nowadays when you're looking at, you know, a huge game like cyberpunk and halo infinite, who are like boasting about free next gen upgrades, like this is, is going to start to look bad. Um, but I think it is, it's going to be good for us specifically because it's setting that precedent of like, this is what happens when you do do this kind of thing, you know? Um, People get pissed, and I don't know. We'll see. Uh, like co- companies that haven't announced how they're going to do things necessarily, you know, like uh, PlayStation. A lot of their games, like they haven't said, like you know, will The Last of Us Part Two get a next gen upgrade that you have to pay for or not, or how's that? We don't oh, know God, yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hopefully, everyone else is kind of taking note of this. Um, yeah, I think it's good for us ultimately. Yeah, it's turning from a, oh, that's a really cool, neat thing for them to do for consumers to, no, this is kind of like mandatory and expected consumers at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. For me, I was going to hop into Alan Wake expansion immediately, but with this, I kind of don't want to give them my money, not Remedy necessarily, but 505 Games. So I think what I'll just do, Dom, is I'm going to wait for a sale for the Ultimate Edition on next gen when I have an open slot of stuff not really coming out. 
and then I'm gonna just play through it again plus the DLC because I enjoyed my time with Control and I actually want to play through it when it doesn't have all the weird technical problems where you pause it and you come out and like it's you know the frame rate drops to negative seven. Um, yeah, but that's that. Hopefully something goes down because that that double down didn't didn't work very well. Let's get into this review roundup. Some a couple of games came out. Two Microsoft uh, published games and one uh, smaller indie third party. Mortal Shell is the first one up. This is sitting currently at a 76 on average on Metacritic. Um, this is a Souls-like game that Dom and I have been really into, really interested in. And the mechanic of it, real quick, I'll get into is that instead of a parry, you have a shell and you can activate that. And it's essentially like getting hit for free one time. And different shells have different abilities and each character wields a different weapon. So at its core, it's very much inspired by Souls-like, but it has a lot of its own flavor to it. Uh, only $30 too, right, Dom? I think. Yeah, so on it's, the cheaper it's like end. a half price. Yeah. Uh, so I have a couple of uh, reviews here. Uh, one for on the higher end and one on the lower end. Uh, so Bradley Ellis over at Easy Allies, friend of the show, love Brad. He gave it a 75, which sits around the average. And he states, quote, While it may not stand at the upper echelon of the genre, Mortal Shell is still an enjoyable action RPG thanks to distinct mechanics and a strong foundation. So it being a 75, that still, to me, sounds like a 75 I want to play. Like, it sounds like a good time. And over at IGN, Leaf Johnson gave it an 80 and said, Mortal Shell is an extremely loyal Dark Souls homage with just enough clever new ideas to make fighting through its gorgeous world feel like something more than a rehash. Once again, that sounds awesome. Um, when we first heard about this game, I never expected this to be like a 90, right, Dom? And I just right. wanted it to be at the very least good. And I'm really interested in playing this game because of the the emptiness that Elden Ring has left us. We don't know when the next From Software game is coming out. And I don't know if I'm going to pick this up necessarily at launch. I'm still holding out hope that it gets a port to next gen because I definitely want to play it on my Xbox Series X this fall. But even at its worst case, I'll play it through backwards compatibility on there as well, you know? So mm-hmm. um, these reviews are awesome. I know we were talking about this and you were thinking about hopping in. Where do you sit on that following the reviews and just in general how you're feeling currently? Uh, yeah, I'm very interested, and in, I've been I've been consuming like all the reviews right now. Um, I've recently put in like 90 hours of Dark Souls three for the past like two months or so, um, which is like mechanically like you know a perfect Souls like game. Yeah, because uh, it's like it's the uh, peak of what those are in almost every way. So this one might not feel great coming off of that. Um, you know it's. You, you want to like watch the opening band before the headliner, not vice versa. <laughs> yeah. N- not that they can't both be good, but um, so I might wait a, a little bit because there's some other sales and stuff that uh, I want one in particular. I was thinking about jumping into far cry new dawn next, which would be a great palate cleanser. Completely different Soul type 3. of game too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like me, we get these itches to play from games and there could be a point where you're still waiting for Elden ring or Sekiro shadows die twice too, which I'm still hoping is a thing. Uh, and you might be like, oh, yeah, Mortal Shell. I wanted to get to that and play it, right? So holding off instead of trying to hop in right away and then getting turned off because, you know, nothing against the developers of Mortal Shell, but it isn't going to have the polish of a From game, you know? And the one you missed, too, that there were some weird rumors, and I'm not going to get my hopes up, but the Demon Souls remake, I'm hoping, is not too far uh, in the future where we get to play that. 
yeah, I don't I don't think that game's coming out this year. I would put money on it. I think that being a launch title is we'll I, see. I would bet next year. Like that's like my I think hope, spring. Right? I've thought like March of Mar- February, March that like Neo release mm-hmm. date that PlayStation usually has, you know. Uh we'll see though. Next up, Battletoads. Uh obviously the new version or you know the i was going to say a remake but it's not a remake it's just a new battletoads game has a bunch of different genres it's currently sitting at a 72 which for me is higher than i thought this game was going to be when i saw a battletoads game i wasn't expecting it to be a a highly rated game i was like oh it's probably going to be somewhere between 70 and 80 and it's on the lower end of that unfortunately but it still looks like a good time so sam woods over at dual shockers gave it an 80 and said the battletoads make their comeback after a 26-year hiatus, and for the most part, offer a solid re-entry into the cult classic franchise. So a bit more on the positive side, 80, pretty good score. On the lower end of things, Chris Carter at Destructor gave it a 70, and he said, I suspect it's going to be highly polarizing, not only due to the adherence to retro-style difficulty, but the newness of the art and humor. But it somewhat won me over due to sheer force of will. So he... The interesting thing in his quote is he says that it sticks to that retro style difficulty. You know, Battletoads is known for being a difficult game. Um, but he says that it's kind of clashing with the new art and humor that isn't super reminiscent of the OG Battletoads. So, obviously the game is somewhere in the middle there. Obviously at the lower end of 72. I currently have it downloaded. Can't wait to hop in and see. It's a very interesting mix of genres. Not only is it the classic beat-em-up, but it has some side-scrolling stuff as well as like the classic car levels. So we'll see what happens there. And lastly, we have the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the star of the show, Microsoft Flight Simulator, currently sitting at a 93 on Metacritic, the second highest rated game of the year, only behind The Last of Us Part Two. Um, Seth Macy, I brought up one review because it's pretty much all stellar reviews. Obviously, you don't get this high unless they're all tremendous reviews, right? So Seth Macy over at IGN gave it a hundred, a perfect score. And he says, quote, Microsoft Flight Simulator is legitimately incredible. It's difficult to fully describe how amazing it feels to jump into a plane and have the freedom to fly to and from literally any place in the entire world. The base game's 20 included aircraft feel like more than enough for even hardcore aviation enthusiasts. And the ability to adjust the assists to tailor the experience to whatever skill level you desire makes it suitable for anyone looking to fly the friendly skies from the comfort of their home. The real-world mapping data, however takes Microsoft Flight Simulator from being just an impressive game to the most awe-inspiring simulation I've ever experienced in spite of its less-than-stellar load times. So, um, obviously, I would assume a game like that would have bad load times because it's loading in real-world map data. Um, It's really cool to see a simulation game score highly like this. Flight sims were a huge thing in the 80s and 90s and have fallen off for the better part of 20 years. And the people who really love flight sims are really looking forward to this game. They have their flight sticks ready and it met its expectations. I'm interested to see when this game is coming to Xbox series X Dom, um, because we've kind of already loosely talked about it. Uh, Gears tactics is also another title um, that was on PC and is going to be coming to Xbox series X. Obviously you likely have no interest in flight simulator. Um, but do you, are you impressed by the fact that this scored so highly in 2020 when it's a genre that really isn't in the forefront of gamers' minds? Yeah, it's interesting because um, it reminded me a little bit of Persona 5 in that regard where it was like, this is getting like ridiculously good scores, right? And But it's like a very niche game. Yeah. Um, 
which so then i'm thinking like well like who are the reviewers that are reviewing flight simulator that uh you know know a lot about this genre and are qualified to do that like i don't even you know like i couldn't review that game i have no idea it's probably like a two out of ten to me right (laughs) but but that's irrelevant um no it's 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 crazy impressive i saw the scores i'm like what the the hell is this so i had to i looked up some gameplay and was like that's technically impressive for sure um yeah good good year for flight sim fans i guess i don't i don't have much on this thing yeah it's interesting because um last of us part two came out seller reviews obviously incredible game ghost of tsushima came out i think it's like at an 83 or something on metacritic um personally i was hard out after six hours but i'm definitely in the minority on that i know people really enjoyed that game people often complain about xbox exclusives and obviously this is a weird case because microsoft flight simulator is only on pc but that game got a 93 right people forget ori came out this year and that's at a 90 on metacritic and obviously they're not to the i wouldn't say i guess i can't say that because of sales Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us are very much more general popularity games, right? They speak to a mass audience, obviously way more than Flight Simulator does. But I do think that we have to step back and understand the, like, you can argue niche title versus, like, popular general title. And that matters definitely in sales conversations. When we're talking about quality, I don't think that really matters. It's just, it's cool to see both platforms having really quality titles come out, you know? I don't think it matters if they're niche or not. It's like, did, was the game good? Did it review well? Okay, it's a good game. You know what I mean? And that's the weird thing, too, because I think, obviously, Sony gets shit tons of credit for their exclusives, right? Especially, like, the bigger ones. But they're, like, their smaller, like, exclusives or, like, third-party partnered exclusives sometimes I feel like get overshadowed. Like, they're, like, um, what was it called? Concrete Genie was one that um, got pretty good reviews. There's a few others, like, in the past, like, few years um, i mean even neo gets overlooked neo that's the <laughs> other one exactly yeah um like they have a lot of that level of title too as far as like you know budget or size i guess that review well um but don't quite get the attention the same way that yeah ori in the blind forest um and a flight simulator um kind of get overshadowed too yeah and i think microsoft flight simulator is very niche there's no reason ori should be considered niche i mean from a perspective of it being a 2d platformer yeah. i guess but like i would say that's more popular with a general audience than flight simulator you know what i mean definitely yeah yeah i don't know maybe i mixed my words up in there but yeah no you're right on that um ori is like because it's it's i I think i still gotta play the first one but it's a little difficult but you know it's a 2d platformer right so it's generally accessible um yeah not a flight simulator right well and i think i would wait for next gen or obviously played on pc or whatever because that game did have some issues on uh current gen xbox and that thing is going to be amazing. It, funny enough, on the Xbox Game Showcase, I don't know if you remember, they were one of the the only games between them and PlayStation to show specifically how it'll be improved with next gen. They showed the 60 FPS on the left, and then they showed the 120 on the right. And you could see in real time how the performance was improved from current gen and next gen. And I do hope that's something we see with from both of them. There's uh, those weird camera uh, videos, camera phone videos of Spider-Man, right? With the load times. We still haven't seen that. Why hasn't Sony showed that to everybody? I'm like, look, look at the difference. Look how f- much faster Spider-Man is. You know what I mean? So weird. Show that to people. Give them a reason to see why next gen is worth it. So surprising. 
Anyways, that's the review roundup. Three stellar games, obviously Microsoft Flight Simulator being the shining crown, but Mortal Shell I'm interested in and Battletoads I'm interested in. Um, we had the Nintendo Indie Showcase, which I didn't bring up in the show, but I did want to mention that Spiritfarer, a game that I've been looking to forever, uh, Shadow dropped into Game Pass, which is dope. Uh, and that Indie Showcase had like, I think like six or seven games get Shadow dropped that same day. So that's incredible. Um, yeah. It's awesome. Next up, the topic of the show. Some DC fandom predictions. Like I said at the top, it's happening on the 22nd. We're recording the 20th. Hopefully this podcast makes it up before the panels. But we're going to be seeing a bunch of DC stuff. If you're interested in the films, they're going to be showing stuff for Wonder Woman and Black Adam and Justice League and all of that stuff. But we're talking about video games here on this podcast. And there's going to be a couple of panels specifically for WB Montreal and for Rocksteady. Now, I want to mention before getting into this, there was some serious stuff that happened with Rocksteady this week, some allegations and a letter talking about how basically women didn't have the best time at Rocksteady the last, you know, five years. One of the writers actually left the Suicide, uh, Suicide Squad game project despite being the lead writer, and she didn't leave of her own will. She was kind of forced out because of a letter she got together with the other women working at the company. A couple of days ago or yesterday of recording, Rocksteady put out this really weird letter from their employees, but put on their own company Twitter account. It's very odd stuff. I just didn't want to go into this conversation without mentioning that um, Rocksteady is in a very weird place. And I'm interested to see how everything shakes out, because according to what we've read, it, it seemed like a really crappy situation from top level management over at Rocksteady. Even in the letters and stuff, they talked about how. 99% of the people at Rock City are great, awesome people, but as we see, Dom, it's these people in positions of power, right, that manip manipulate and take advantage of it and just make terrible workspaces for women, minorities, just people in general. I mean, and I think it's also worth saying that 99% of people, yeah, might not be, you know, specifically uh, doing something egregiously wrong, but probably a lot of them are at least seeing it and not stepping in or you know the next step of like not or contributing towards a culture that yeah. allows that stuff to happen right so yeah maybe you're not like literally guilty of something but if you're you know if you're like just turning away or you know worse like laughing and being a part of something that isn't funny for someone or whatever it is um then you're you're at some level of fault too so that 99 percent thing those things you know those quotes always are kind of like yeah, but it's not just that, right? Um, it's like, what's going on there where like people can get away with this and it's okay, right? Yeah, how much of it is systemic and, you know, being right. a bystander and quiet is just as bad as being an active participant sometimes because mm -hmm. you're contributing to it. Agreed. Anyways, let's talk about the video game portion of that. I just want to get that out of the way for full transparency because I think people do need to know about that stuff. So I've got some questions to ask. I already have my answers, Dom. I'll let, him, I'll let you know them after you answer. Five questions, okay, about those two projects. First up, Will WB Montreal's game have Arkham in the title? Uh, ooh, good question. No. Okay, I say yes. Just for That's a, a branding question. standpoint, it's kind of like the yeah. Call of Duty thing of them forcing the Black Ops into there, right? I think having Arkham in the title will probably have it sell better, so it'll probably be in there. Who knows? Uh, next up, do we see gameplay from either of them? I think from the WB game, like part of the trailer will include, you know, like 
the gameplay where like there's there's no HUD and it's just quick snippets kind of a thing. That, that, yeah, that's as good as it gets. Like loose gameplay, um, yeah. cinematic gameplay. Uh, right. Next up, will Rocksteady's reveal go over well? And by that I mean it's a two part thing of one, all the stuff I just mentioned at the top. Two, them not making a Batman game, making a games of service Suicide Squad game. By this I mean when the reveal's done for their stuff, what will be the reaction on Twitter? I think it'll be like thumbs mild. up, thumbs down, thumbs middle. Like, yeah, because I'm I'm anticipating like a, a close to nothing kind of teaser trailer, right? Logo splash, some quippy line from Harley Quinn, yeah, something like exactly. that. exactly some stuff like that just to get you a quick idea, and then probably like you know a Q and A or something where we learn or they release information about it, what kind of game it's going to be, something like that, right? Yeah, so I think like. The reaction will be, you know, not different than what it already has been of like, oh, I guess it's a, a co-op game, a multiplayer game and Suicide Squad. Cool. You know, kind of mild. Yeah. And it's so weird because it is. So I'm a comics guy. I love the Suicide Squad. And I'm also the type of person who actually enjoys games of service games. Both of those, not in the majority of what people would want from Rocksteady, right? People, I think, would be down at the Suicide Squad game more so if it was a single-player-driven experience, right? Or they would be down at the Games of Service game if maybe you were playing as the Justice League or the Teen Titans, right? But the fact that it's a Suicide Squad game that's also a Games of Service, it's going to be a tough sell. The only plus for them is that Rocksteady's a talented developer despite the right. current situation they're in, you know? It's definitely... It's one of those things that's weird to me, and it's like it might have seemed like a really good idea if they had started this like closer to when that movie had come out, even though the movie was kind of like had like some mild reception. And actually, now that I, I after some of this came out and hearing about how some of the comics are, um, and then comparing that to like I saw the movie and like I can see why people are now like especially disappointed with the movie because the comics sound uh, cooler. As far as Suicide Squad. Yeah, they're really funny. They're dark a lot of the times. And that's the thing is, I think at the end of this, at the end of the day, this game will be funny. Will it be good? Who knows? Will people like it? Who knows? But I think the game will be funny. And that is something yeah. we miss in video games a lot of the time. What's the last funny video game you played? I mean, the South Park. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The man. Last of Us had funny moments, you know, but it's obviously not a funny game. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. God. Very oh. few funny moments. <laughs> but yeah, it just feels weird that like, oh, we're doing a Suicide Squad game. It's like, well, are you on the internet? Like, if you made a Justice... People want a Superman game more than anything, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's hard to do, of course, but like, just do a Justice League game. Well, I, I don't know. I just... How did they get to this point? Like, how was this the idea that won everyone's wallets at the corporate meetings? You know, I just... It's weird to me. Yeah, I I think it might be a case of like lost uh what what is it lost profit fallacy right? What am I thinking of? What is it called? What's the name? Sunken, Sunken cost. cost fallacy. There you go, lost profit. Uh, I think it's, it might be that where they you know when the movie was coming out they wanted to make a Suicide Squad game and we've seen all of the issues Warner Brothers said in general right. And I wonder if this was kind of a thing of like. When the opportunity arose, Rocksteady's like, okay, we're down to make something that isn't Batman. And they're like, okay, we're going to work on a Suicide Squad game. And then the zinger at the end was like, yo, hey, it has to be a Games of Service. And it's like, ooh, okay, I guess. Cause I doubt Rocksteady wanted to make a Games of Service game, you know? And then it's kind of just been pushed through the pipeline, I'm assuming, because now that Warner Brothers wants to f 
sell all of this stuff. They're like, just just get this project out. Just finish the project you're working yeah. on. Let's get this thing out and get recoup costs. Because like even for Avengers, I mean, we have to assume that years ago when like this project with that project was first pitched, like they wanted that game to come out the summer after Infinity or not Infinity, but uh, Endgame, right? Like last summer. That had to have been on on a timeline at some point where they thought like, oh, that'd be excellent. Like, yeah, well, it'll be right after the movie and it's going to make bonkers money. And then, you know, as development goes on and things are tough, it's, you know, I got to assume that that was at one point the goal. So then to a worse extent here for Suicide Squad, I got to think that, yeah, the timing is weird. I don't know. So uh, there's another rumor going around that this is going to maybe have a Call of Duty approach in 2020 of we're going to see this Batman game and it's also releasing in 2020 been a lot of rumors even before we knew fandom was happening i don't know if you remember people saying like oh batman's gonna get revealed this year and it's also coming out in the fall do you think there's truth to the rumors that batman is releasing in 2020 no same i think maybe that was the initial plan before COVID and everything uh, yep yeah, that's yeah. what i was gonna say yeah maybe they thought it or hoped it at one point but then it was like eh, we'll, we'll just put out some stupid ass annoying hieroglyphs <laughs> Cryptic, and circles yeah. on twitter uh, next up, this ties into that. Do we get dates for both, neither, or one? Windows count. Uh, definitely no date for Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, I'm going to say no date for either. I think we get spring 2021 for Batman. I do think that like they understand that people have been waiting so long for these games. and I'm saying I don't even know if Batman's going to hit spring 2021, but I think right. that's their hope. They might say it. And I do think yeah. they want to give some people, DC fans, something to look forward to. You know what I mean? And I do think they'll attach some window of it. I think at the very least, Batman will have 2021 on it. Um, Suicide Squad, I'm with you. I don't think nothing. Uh, we'd be lucky we get anything other than the logo of the game. And I wanted to oh. end. Go oh, ahead. you got one more? Because I was going to give another prediction. But if you got no, no, no. Question, it's might be a one. conversation topic. You can go ahead with the prediction. I was going to say one thing um, for sure, though, I would bet is. Um, the WB game is uh, current gen, and then it'll have its own, you know, upgrade, whatever they do for that, right, for next gen. But I bet we do find out that the Rocksteady game is next gen only. Yeah. I I mean, and if Batman's delayed, it, it'll probably launch simultaneously, I'm assuming, on both, right? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. That makes sense that Batman would for sure launch on both, and then um, Suicide Squad next gen only. Um, so I just uh, wanted to end with, you know, the both panels are going to be 20 minutes long. We know that for a fact. So not a lot of time there. What's your hype levels uh, for either of them? I know you're not super high on Suicide Squad, but maybe for Batman. And what do you want to see from Batman to sell you on it, Don? Yeah, so Suicide Squad, I have about, I have basically nothing for hype. And that was, I had it maybe a tiny bit. Um, but then it was entirely squashed when all their... Uh, um, uh, accusations and different things came out about how things work over there not so now i'm just whatever like good luck guys um but for the wb game i'm, I'm more excited uh, i've heard a lot about the court of owls storyline and how cool that is and i don't know anything about it though so um if i like that that alone should be good and should be entertaining enough even if the gameplay isn't you know crazy new and innovative and refined from the previous arkham games where it's it was always good but i think um you know much like we saw with spider-man um on ps4 like they made the gameplay like crazy cool and and good and and uh innovative so you hope for that same kind of gameplay innovation out of uh the wb game but we'll see 
For me, I have one wish for Suicide Squad and three for Batman. Suicide Squad, just confirm that King Shark's a playable character. I love King Shark. He's just a giant shark that's humanoid, and he eats people. And I just think he'd be a really cool playable character. Um, I just hope he's included in um, the game. He's going to be one of the characters in James Gunn's new Suicide Squad film, which I can't wait for. I think he's going to be stellar, hopefully, anyways. Uh, for Batman, I have three wishes. One, that it comes out this year. I'd love to play a Batman game in the fall. I just love it. My second wish, I want to see an evolution of the combat. I like the Arkham games, but I do think in 2020 we need to see an evolution of it just being button mashy. And three, please tell me Kevin Conroy's voicing Batman. Please. That's a good point because the last uh, WB... Um... Uh, Arkham Origins, right? Uh, didn't have Mark Hamill. And did they have a different Batman than Kevin Conroy? I can't remember. They had uh, Roger Craig Smith, right? Okay. I think. Yeah. Because I knew the Joker was like Troy Baker or something instead of um, instead of Mark Hamill. And then, yeah, Batman was someone else too. So, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. So, hopefully they can get, um, you know, the OG Batman animated voice actors in here. Oh, fourth wish. Don't show me any Joker. I don't want Joker. <laughs> yeah um he could be in the game at some point but i don't want it to be a marketing point like batman can exist without joker and marketing and uh yeah i hope they i just want them to lean on that you know what i mean it's like ugh, just come on now um but yeah that's pretty much it for that in terms of what we've been playing i'll shoot first uh pretty much the same stuff i've been playing almost done with the smite battle pass to get the last avatar the last airbender skin for that game so that's really cool I'm interested to see if they do more licensed stuff, Dom. So far, they've done Ruby, which is a really popular anime, and they've done Avatar. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. It's a way for me to still stay interested in that game because it they change the animations of the characters, too. They're not just skins. If they work with Nickelodeon again, man, it'd be dope to see some really cool skins from other properties, like a Danny Phantom or something. That'd be cool. Uh, that's just a personal Jared Pipe dream, I guess. Uh, I've been playing some more Call of Duty Warzone, having a good time with that. Talked about the Easter eggs earlier. I'm interested to see how that's going to evolve with the next Call of Duty. Because unlike Blackout for Black Ops 4, this is going to carry on. And I wonder if it'll have the staying power when it changes from modern guns and if people are going to be into it the same way. Um, and lastly, I wanted to mention I've been playing Madden 21. So if you're nice. unfamiliar, if you have EA Play, you get to play 10 hours early or 10 like demo hours, but it's a full game. Introduce a new thing where... You create an avatar character, right, Dom? So you pick your number, you edit their face, all of this stuff, whatever, whatever. And whatever game mode you're playing in Madden as a whole, you can level up that character. And you use that character in their The Yard. It's a new game mode that's essentially a simulation version of NFL Street, right? So it's not as crazy as NFL Street, but it's 6v6 games with your friends in multiplayer. And it's in smaller fields, right? So it gets that more arcadey feel to it. And that player, the avatar you're upgrading, you can change their uniforms, their skills, all of that stuff. So it gives you incentive to play all these other game modes while still upgrading somebody for a specific game mode, you know? So it's different than the single player campaign character you make, right? This is your avatar for Madden in general. And I think it's cross uh, progression with Madden Mobile as well, which is pretty cool. Hmm. So that was a new uh, neat new addition considering... The cross-gen Maddens are always the worst Maddens. Um, that's just the way it's always been. Um, I mean, 
there's an argument to be made that the nine month dev cycle for Madden games have hurt them the most. I personally would wish they did the Call of Duty thing where you had different studios because then you could have longer development times and the games could feel more different. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited with this new addition and interested to see. It's more Madden, obviously, but this is a new neat little tweak that might get me more invested in it. And uh, yeah, we might not even have football this fall, so it might be the only football I'm getting. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So that's pretty much it for me. What about you? Uh, I've only been playing Dark Souls 3 and so much of it. Like, How close are you to the plot? I need four more rings. And okay. It'll probably take another hour or two. So are like they right the there. ones tied to New Game Plus? Yeah. Yeah, okay. they're actually tied to New Game Plus Plus. <laughs> um, but the, most of them are easy, especially the New Game Plus runs always get consecutively easier. Um, despite what anyone tells you. I don't know why there's this conception that it's harder. It's a myth, yeah. It gets so much easier each time you go through. Um, but I got out, out, of, out of the way everything that had to do with like maxing out the covenants, which... Um, there's a lot of PvP and or farming involved, and that stuff is uh, what got grindy. Although I do appreciate parts of it where it encourages you to play PvP, um, which is always scary at first. Because um, a lot of times it's like, well, you're just getting invaded and you're trying to do something else and some jerk red phantom is just kicking you off a ledge or whatever. But when you actually get into it and you become that jerk because you need to farm these special items and the only way to get them is to like invade people and screw up their world. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that's when it gets more fun and it, it it makes you explore the different covenants and the different ways that you can invade or get invaded or invade with the um invade as a protector basically for other people who are getting invaded by a red phantom it's and three it gets really complicated as far as covenants and invasions and stuff and the, the most for the most part the way they force you to uh, explore those to get the trophy is is pretty neat but time consuming still yeah do you think you'll have it done in the next couple of weeks what's your timeline do you think for the plot? i'll have it done tomorrow oh cool the covenant ones are the harder ones right as opposed to the rings you got those out, yeah. out of the way yeah yeah anyway um i don't even think i have a plot for any of the souls games it might be something i want to do i don't know if i'd ever want to plat dark souls 2 because like game's not bad i just don't love it the same way i love all the other ones um Part of me wants to go back to Sekiro too, but I haven't really looked at the 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 achievement list for that game. Too hard. I can tell anyways. you all about it. I got that one. <laughs> nice. Would you say that one's harder than Souls ones or easier? Easier. Um, but you got to play through the game like you know three times or whatever. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, that's it for this week. Hopefully next week we have we'll have more DC fandom impressions from what we see there. Uh, I'll. I would likely have impressions for both Battletoads and Spiritfarer. Those are two games I've downloaded and I can't wait to play. More Madden, too, if there's anything to talk about, which I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, head on over to YouTube. Search Controlled Interest. will pop right up. Like the video if you enjoy conversations. Leave us a comment. I read every comment. I'll reply. Um, in terms of listening, if you go to iTunes, leave us a review there. That definitely helps. Even if you don't listen on iTunes, if you head on over subscribe and then hit, hit the review button and leave us a five star it helps us out tremendously we're on spotify search controlled interest will pop up there as well on twitter you can search uh for us at c-t-r-l-i-n-t it's controlled interest abbreviated we'll pop right up individually dom is at dom's oreos i am at jared underscore we'll be back in episode 204 have a good week bye